let's turn and read a couple passages. Romans 15. Turn to your Bibles to Romans 15. I thought it'd be good to start out uh, today's lesson ta- looking at there's many, many places in the New Testament that talk about accepting and affirm- affirming one another. So Romans 15. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. Verses 5 through 7. Romans 15 verses 5 through 7. Look there in your Bible and follow along. Now may the God who gives perseverance, that it's required, and encouragement, much needed, grant you to be of the same mind with one another in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is our focal point of unity and acceptance. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, on that basis, therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Amen? That's just the good, you know, so we want to reinforce. I I, I want you to look at these personality types because we're going to see Christ recognizes them and reveals himself to four individuals in four different ways. And I would put forth to you based on these four personality types. But as we look at this, we don't want to uh, misuse and abuse. And so uh, last week we introduced just one aspect of your unique shape for life and ministry. And that's the P in the word shape, personality. And we explained the four basic personality types. We looked a little bit at their strengths and weaknesses. And I provided you a tool to discover and better understand your own uniqueness. Now, so what we want to do this week is do a little review on that, a little interaction on that, and then talk about how to accept, affirm, and not abuse our differences. So each of us is strangely unique, but what's ma- what makes us strange to others is our God-given unique shape. Our God-given unique shape. And I just put that back out there again. What's the S in shape? Spiritual gifts. What's the H? What's the A? P? And experiences is... E, I gave that to you, didn't I? Uh, relational, educational, vocational. But at the heart of that is character. And because of that, you could really say you need to be shaped and put a D at that in. Your shape needs to be shaped. And that D stands for discipleship. Because The way God has shaped you requires that you be born again, and being born again requires that you grow in Christ-likeness, okay? So there are, uh, you know, your spiritual gifts we know from 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 will go off the rails without Christian maturity. That was the problem in in Corinth. They were focused on their gifts, which meant they were focused on themselves and lacking Faith, hope, and love, the marks of maturity, they went off the rails. Your heart's desires. Uh, Psalm 37 says, commit your way to the Lord, and He will grant you the desires of your heart. If you're not growing in Christ-likeness, then your heart passions are going to take you off track. That is so key. 
That is so key. Uh, abilities, abilities again are are gonna, you're going to make a name for yourself and tack you know kind of like the athletes do. It's all about our <laughs> them and their abilities until after the game they interview they throw something up to the big guy upstairs and that covers it. No, 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 no. You know that's not what mature Christians do. Personality type really go off the rails without maturity. And then even your experiences. How do you process? painful experiences unless you become mature in Christ. So to be shaped is to have the uh, discipled, um, and I'm trying to think, did I not, uh, did I not bring this down? Do you have, are, are they on the table? Okay, I just didn't grab one. So take this, take this one, take, take a look at this one. This is very important, and it says how God has shaped me for ministry. And uh, I use this all the time for myself. When I evaluate uh, experiences that I may uh, be put before me, one of the first questions I ask is, well, am I shaped for this? Am I shaped for this? And it doesn't mean I I automatically, if I feel I'm not, I don't do it. Again, uh, maturity says, Lord, I'll serve you wherever and do anything you want and whatever that's needed. It's just that whatever I do, I'm going to do it the way I'm shaped. Now, that's just the reality of it. But uh, uh, ordination, I filled this out for myself uh, uh, to be ordained. If I was ordaining anybody, that's what I would be asking them to do fundamentally. Uh, Discipling anybody, I, I try to walk them through this. And so there's your spiritual gifts, and we do have a spiritual gift assessment uh, tool if you want to use that hearts desires there you go abilities you can figure that out personality that's what we're focusing on uh, last week and this week there you can write out your experiences and the most important thing you can write out about your your spiritual experiences is your testimony okay that that's the the number one spiritual experience we should all share and have in common is what i how what I was like before I was saved, how I came to Christ, and now how Christ is changing me b c and a d uh in our lives and then the shaped is discipleship. How is that playing out in one on one discipleship? Have I been discipled one on one have I been established? In the goals of our church, that's what the uh, new members class is, is uh, laying out that vision. And so we, we're not going to take the time right here in class, but let me encourage you to fill this out. If you're parents, these are, these are things you should be walking your kids through. You know, uh, thinking about them when, if they're young, thinking about it for your, you know, how you're observing them. Uh, these are definitely things to be talking to them about. And uh, certainly... Um, I just find it very helpful. I use it, and uh, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's the most well-rounded way to explain your uniqueness. All right? So I hope, that, I hope that helps. Now, what are the four personality types? Well, we have a chart there in your notes that kind of give you uh, some of the different ways. We're, I, I'm always comfortable using uh, the personality plus or the personality puzzle by Francis Litauer, popular sanguine, powerful cleric, perfect melancholy, and peaceful phlegmatic. Uh, Larry Crabb reduced those to the idea of emotional, volitional, rational, and personal. Uh, I told you the Gary Smalley and John Trent, like the cuddly uh, 
stuffed animals. And so you got those there laid out for you. And uh, uh, just talking to Randy at his work, they use the disc personality type. And so that's laid out there. And then at the bottom, probably one of the ones that is most helpful if you want to go a little more in depth is the Meyer Briggs, uh, Kersey Bates, uh, the four letter thing. It gets, con- it gets convoluted and confusing. It's not easily, but because it's a little more detailed, it's a little more you know, accurate or you can, you know, kind of hone down a little more instead of going from the broad four types and then you can get a little more detailed into 12 and these take you down to 16. Um, But so I have some things uh, laid out for you for looking at that. So what we're going to do is real quickly, uh, first of all, how many of you took personality profile? Took one. Okay, great. Any... uh, uh, okay, so let's let's keep moving on that. Uh, uh, let's let's do this one real quick. So here's what we're going to do: take the the sheet. I think it's on your table. The Meyer Briggs 16 personality types. All right, Meyer Briggs 16 personality types. It's got color on the back. Um, if you do the heavy duty one, you know, do it at home. It's the Kersey Temperament Sorter. Okay, that's the heavy duty you know, the full-blown test. But we're just going to do it real quick here. So here's what I want you to do is uh, notice it says the Meyer-Briggs 16 personality types. Use the question to determine the four letters of your Myers-Briggs type. For each pair of letters, choose the side that seems most natural to you, even if you don't agree with every description. So you see there's four questions. Number one, are you outwardly or inwardly focused? Number two, right below it, how do you prefer to take in information? Number three, back up on the top, how do you prefer to make decisions? And then the last one, how do you prefer to live your outer life as you relate to life outside of you? So, Real quickly here, you can just go through those and when you so go through those, but keep the question in mind for that for those two columns. So are you inwardly or outwardly focused? So which side of that best describes you, even though every one of them may not fit you? And then once you decide, circle the letter E or I. Okay? And if you need help, probably the person next to you could probably tell you. <laughs> that might be the quickest way to, to take that. So that's number one. Are we done there on number one? All right. Well, there you go. IST. So we got a lot of doing what should be done. That's good. I like that. All right. There you go. Now, on the back, if you look on the back of that, you've got, uh, again, some more descriptors and explanations. And then on this handout, which I, I, I just enjoyed this one, uh, for one thing, it's just in color. But uh, this takes you through, this one takes you through all of them and even shows you some uh, popular uh, entertainers and people that have that and talks about careers and just, just fun stuff. So there you go. If you want a little bit more, a little bit opportunity to take a look at that. I really like, I, I really like this one on uh, the, the temperament sorter, the more uh, thorough, what you just did, okay, you can take this 
and do a more thorough, you know, validation of that. But inside of this, it has some good things. Uh, it has this great chart, which I really like, because it, it coordinates the, the uh, four personality types with the 16. And so you got your melancholies, your clerics, your sanguines, and your phlegmatic. So that kind of helps you with uh, if you're going to take the simple approach of these four or if you want to get more in-depth on your different uh, aspects of that. All right, so there you go. You're introduced to that. Now, let me give you some further in in insights into personality blends. So shifting gears from that to the four uh major personality types. Let's talk a little bit about that in your notes. Who are the most task orientated? Well, when you look at, uh, at these, uh, you got melancholy, choleric, sanguine or manguine if you're Gwen, and phlegmatic. All right. Um, so, out of these, which two would be the most task-orientated? It's clerics and melancholies, okay? Uh, clerics are very task-oriented. Melancholy is very detailed-oriented. So, let's get that done, and let's get it done right. And so, you have those types of blends. Um, this uh, green sheet gives you all the, the, the kind of different blends of your two different personality types. And so, number two, which are the most relation-oriented? Which are the most relationship-oriented? Is going to be the sanguines the, and the phlegmatics, okay? Uh, sanguines who are uh, very extroverted, very outgoing, phlegmatics that are easy, just uh, relatable. Those are the two most re most relational. Uh, number three, who often tends to be the most headstrong? Uh, three, in particular, goal-oriented clerics. We have got to do it, and we've got to do it, and we've got to reach this goal. What do you mean you have to go to the bathroom? We've got to get to Memphis by 6 p.m., Okay, that kind of stuff on vacation. Uh, Detailed-oriented melancholies. Uh, we need to get this done. We need to get it done right. we got to get, get deep into the forest, uh, look at each of the trees, and uh, we don't have time to uh, have fun or worry about your problems. Um, and three, <laughs> quiet-willed phlegmatics. Quiet-willed phlegmatics, very headstrong. Don't don't say a lot. Don't need a lot. You know, they'll they'll look at you, shake their head, and then go and proceed to do what they have already decided in their hearts. Uh, number four, who often tends to be the most loyal? Which which two? Phlegmatics and melancholies. All right, very 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 loyal. In, in, in positive ways, you know, that's a positive trait. Uh, and, and there's just, because why phlegmatics, very steady, very, you know, I, I'm, I'm going through this, you know, hey, there's a storm right now, that's okay, storms will be over. You know, hey, we're on a mountaintop, that's okay, there's coming a valley, we'll be okay. We just keep steady, you know. 
and uh, and then just melancholies are 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 like that. Their personalities are like that. Number five, who often tends to be the most gifted are melancholies, uh, scientists, artists, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Think about these guys. They they are super super, and and they're most most uh, the genius personalities are these guys and they're also men and women and they're also uh i mean you think about vincent van gogh and, and cutting his ear off and you know and commi- committing suicide because they they they're, they just feel so deeply look so deeply um and experience things so deeply and since we live in a fallen world that can take you down very deeply and and yet they they can do some amazing they do some really amazing things. Who often tends to be the most influential are cholerics, uh, simply because that's their natural bent to lead and influence others. Uh, now, having gone through all that, though, I have something written down there. Uh, listen, so these are all real. Okay, you you can you know you you can try to fight against them. But what reason I'm giving you? I got all these handouts. You got all these different sorts. It's because it's real. It's like it's science. When you look at science, you're going to see observable patterns, and they're there. Okay. Now, what you do with the evidence is is the is the determining factor. Okay. Uh, if if you're a humanist, you're going to look at these things and say, well, that's all you are, and that's what it is, and or you can by self will become a better person and do these things. But in Christ. Okay, all these things need to be surrendered to the Lord. So notice it says, apart from Christ-like humility and servanthood, none of this will mean anything in the coming kingdom. Okay, so you can be a strong cleric and become president of the United States. It's not going to mean a hill of beans in the kingdom of God unless you're born again and doing it for the glory of God. Okay, you can be the most uh, fun person in life and have tons of friends and tons of people on facebook liking your stuff and tons of twitter followers and be the biggest you know have the biggest splash in social media but it means nothing if you're not born again and if you are not doing all that for the glory of god and so these are great things they're real things they're things to leverage for the kingdom of god but they must be leveraged and most of all we need to encounter the risen lord who meets us as we are in our personalities, but doesn't leave us that way. So what we're going to see next week, starting with Mary, is that God meets us and adapts himself even to our personality. That is just unbelievable to me. That the risen Lord would meet a woman in that culture and in fact reveal himself to her first and do it in a way that relates to her, okay? That's really amazing. And then to go for these two guys, uh, this probably a man and a woman, a couple perhaps, even a married couple, walking away in disgust and despair and depression and to adjust himself to them. That's just amazing to me. It's just a beautiful thing. I think it's a great reminder of who are, you know, so here is the Lord of the universe and yet, uh, you know, condescending to still meet people right where they are. And yet, as we're going to see, it gets real uncomfortable real quick. Mary goes to hug him. Stop hugging me. Don't touch me. 
You know, the two are like, hey, I thought we had this figured out. No, you're fools. Okay, Thomas, I don't want anything to do with this. This isn't going the way it's supposed to be going. Here, stick your finger in my uh, wound, you know. Um, And then Peter, hey, did you catch anything? Doing it your way? Being the expert? How's that working for you? I mean, it's just very, it's very confrontational, and yet it's very compassionate, isn't it? And it's condescending at the same, not condescending. Uh, uh, how do you, well, I, he condescend to meet us where we are. I don't, he wasn't condescending to us. That was coming out wrong. It's like one of these, on these personality blends that got, cracked me up. I was reading it again. <laughs> I, I was putting together information under popular, sanguine, and peaceful, phlegmatic, a very engaging and delightful blend. I thought it was at Starbucks there for a minute. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow. I mean, it's like, you know, those are great personality types. It's just like, wow, I just want to, yeah, that just, that pulls me in, you know. Uh, whereas driving and, and perfectionistic doesn't. Okay, so how do you affirm? How do you affirm and not abuse what we're learning here, okay? Let's talk about that a little bit. And as we do, let me give you two reminders. The first reminder is this. These are tendencies, not our identity. These are tendencies, not our identity. And so we we go off the rails when we start looking at our personalities and taking these type of assessments and say, this is who I am. This is your tendency, and number two, they are starting points, not ending points, okay? So this, you don't take this, and we, ha- we have a tendency to do this with ourselves as well as with others. You don't take these and then stereotype, pigeonhole, okay, this is who I am. Now I have to conform everything to this. No, it's a starting point for understanding who you are, how you relate to the world around you, how you react to people around you. It's a starting point. And I would put forth to you, as I've tried today, it's a starting point for becoming more like Christ. Okay? It's a starting point for understanding. Because here's your thing. Even how you do your devotions are influenced by your personality. All right? And that doesn't mean, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm a sanguine, I'm a fun-going person. I don't like to read, so I'm not going to read the Bible. No. It's just how you read the Bible. In the parts of the Bible that you're attracted to, in the way you even study the Bible, or, or why it's hard for you to study the Bible, okay? So, like, for me, I have to work at not studying and relating to the Lord. Some of you are relating, but you don't have the biblical basis to do that because you don't study, and you've got to force yourself to study. You see, see how, it, how it affects, and, and that's just reality. And so we have, you know, biblical commands that are for all personality types, but how we respond to those and how how we're tempted to disobey them or avoid them are all different for us. So these, these are not ending points, they're starting points. Now, how not to abuse insight to others. So let's begin, because one of the first things we do, we're motivated to find about ourselves, and then we're motivated to tell others about themselves, okay? So how do you not abuse insight into others? Show love in truth to others. The emphasis is show love in truth to others. Let me give you five ways to do that. First of all, don't analyze a person's personality type 
unless you intend to use your insight to better relate to them. So don't analyze, well, they're this way, and then use that to criticize them or to judge them or to box them in, stereotype. No, use it to be a blessing to them. Use it, it, it's just like love languages, right? I mean, the five love languages have are always, that book will probably never go out of print. But it's of no use if you don't use them, and the, the purpose of it is to be how to serve others, how to build others up. Make sense? Number two, don't limit the individual's potential due to their personality type. Just because cholerics are natural leaders, two things. Number one, that doesn't qualify you for leadership in the church. Number two, it doesn't mean that any of these other personality types can't be leaders. They're just going to be a different kind of leader. And they're going to, they're going to gravitate to leading in different ways. So don't limit, and, in, and, and you know, hey, sanguines, the rest of us can have fun too. We just don't do it your way, okay? We like a little quieter, a little more isolated. Okay, party of one. All right, so don't limit personalities. Number three, don't tell a person what you think their personality type is unless, you, unless they ask you, okay? So, uh, oh, let me, let, me just, uh, let me just clarify something here for you, Aaron. This is what you are, okay? And so it just shuts down the communication, that kind of thing. So uh, number four, use insight gently, generally, and constructively. Use insight gently, okay? Uh, generally, this is not a stereotype. This is not who you are all the time. This is not who, how you, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about you being this way before I relate to you or instead of relating to you and constructively to build them up. Um, and this is harder, that, that being said, it's harder for some personality types. Uh, melancholies, they, it's like they have x-ray personality vision. And so they just see things clearly and deeply without effort, and it can come out. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of times in counseling, you know, people say, man, I, I, it's like, were you, I mean, are you with me when I'm not around? You know, because of that kind of insight. Um, and so you got to be gentle, general, and constructive. And then number five, remember, there's no substitute for getting to know someone personally. Okay, you can't you can't get to know people. Okay, so sanguines are good at this. Phlegmatics are going to be good at this. You know, you can't use this as a substitute for really getting to know people. And uh, and in fact, it's better to get to know them. And through that process, you're like, oh yeah, I see these tendencies, rather than trying to uh, psychoanalyze through a, an assessment and then labeling. Number two, how not to in, abuse insight into ourselves, okay? So it's not just with other people, how not to abuse insight into ourselves. Here the emphasis for ourselves is to speak truth to ourselves in love. So with others, show love towards them in truth. But with ourselves, be a little more up front with the truth of who you are. And here's a couple things. Don't use your personality type as an excuse for your attitudes and actions. Well, that's just the way I am. Or, you know, 
you know, this sin is my particular personality showing itself. Okay, so and so and that's and listen, that's more subtle and easier to do than for all types. That's for all types. Very easy to do that. And and when we live in a culture that's constantly saying self-fulfillment, 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 and we have a Christianity that labels that self-fulfillment as Christianity, all of a sudden, hey, it's about me. You know, and hey, you know, it's not sin, it's me. Okay? Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to transform your personality. Okay, allow the Holy Spirit to transform your personality. And so this is really cool. You take the weaknesses of these personality types and match them up with the fruit of the Spirit. Because that's what we need. We all need. Tim LaHaye, back in the 80s, Spirit... uh, Oh, what was it called? Spirit-controlled temperaments. And just a great, great idea. So here it is. For clerics, you need to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness... And peace, gentleness and peace are good fruit, fruit of the spirit. It's all one fruit. So we're not breaking these up. I'm just saying there's aspects of it that we need. The the relational need is tone down and face up to your own issues. Melancholies, cultivate joy and long suffering, joy to get you out of the you know, that's what melancholy means. It means to be depressed and low. You know, you need joy and then long suffering with an imperfect world and people. Uh, you need, in a relational need, we need cheer up and lighten up. Cheer up, you know, look on the bright side and then lighten up. Every, you know, which helps. Age helps in all in many of these things. Okay, just helps. You know, I'm so worn out from trying to perfect everything. I think I'm going to let some things go. Good. That's great. We're glad to hear that. Sanguines cultivate self-control and faithfulness. Self-control and faithfulness. Relational need. Get organized and get serious. Okay. Phlegmatics. Cultivate goodness and kindness. Goodness and kindness. Why? Because that moves you to action. Instead of being more laid back and just kind of letting everything, uh, the action take place around you, your relational need is get motivated and start moving. Do Act in goodness, with goodness and kindness. And then all four types, the ultimate aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is love. We all need love. And everyone become more like Christ. That's the relational need. Everyone needs to become more like Christ. So here's what you do for yourself. Maximize your strengths by surrendering them to serve others. So take your personality type and don't be puffed up about it. Instead, be humbled by it and surrender it to serving others and minimize your weaknesses minimize the weaknesses of your personality by letting the risen Lord transform them, which is what the rest of this series is going to help you do. Is that good? So I think, you know, helpful stuff, helpful stuff. Now, how to accept one another's uniqueness. Now, we had this really last week, so I'm not going to, I'll give you the blanks so the melancholies can fill them out. Uh, Simple truths for accepting ourselves and others in our strange uniqueness. God made each of us this way. I'm just telling you, God made us this way. That's why it is valid to study it. It is a reality. It's not going to go away. 
God made us in his image. He has personality. We have personality. Number two, Christ died to redeem our strange uniqueness. He has died to restore our ima- his image in us. Okay, so he's in the process of transforming your personality. Number three, Christ meets each of us in our strange uniqueness to conform us. Rest of the series is going to focus on that. And then number four, God uses this diversity. Okay, even the guy with the M-E-S-S, God uses, right? Amen. That's good news. Yeah. And so why is accepting and affirming these different personality types important? Well, it will help you respond in love rather than react. It will help you to respond in love rather than react. Number two, it will enable you to relate to those around you and not reject them for who they are. So it's going to help you relate or respond, relate, and then number two or three, it will result in growing as you interact. I'm telling you, uh, I, I did, man, I did this, and, and you can, you guys can be a judge who have been here. But I, I remember first couple years of being here. I mean, I just determined I'm gonna love all personality types, and just making a determination of just learning to love. And once you make that that commitment to accept and to love. It starts you on a lifelong transformation, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in the workplace or here at church. All right. And you you and here's what I found. Once you make that that determination, instead of focusing on what's irritating me about this person's personality and I'm just going to accept and love them, then you end up having a genuine love for them over the years. You just have a genuine love and you're like, well, that's that's them, you know. And that's all right. I've just grown to love them, you know, and hopefully that happens in all your relationships. So, um, so let me, let me end this up. What I have there, I've already given you that. Uh, let me end with this. Here's three takeaways for all personality types. It doesn't matter what you are. Even if you're the personality type that doesn't like even talking about personality types, here's what we can do. Number one, praise God for how he has uniquely made you in his image and will uniquely recreate you through the gospel. Praise God, because this is how he made you. Okay, so don't, you know, don't be wishing you were this instead of that, instead of this, instead of that. No, just praise God, because he's the one that made you. And, And when you don't praise him, I mean, when you don't appreciate these things, you're not appreciating his handiwork. Okay, number two, pray. Pray for the risen Lord to meet you in your uniqueness, in order to conform you. This is not something he just did for Mary, the Emmaus disciples, Thomas and Peter. This is something that he put four times in the Bible so that we would realize that he wants to meet us. Amen? Isn't that good? I hope, my prayer is in the weeks to come, the risen Lord will meet you in a deeper and more personal way than he has yet to do. And then number three, pursue the risen Lord so that your your uniqueness is transformed. We need to pursue him. Now, here's what's interesting. This just came to me this week, thinking through this again. And like I said, I've taught this three times, and I'm, I'm, I'm still learning new things. Think about it. He came, Mary went to the wrong, you know, Mary went to the empty tomb, and Jesus came to her. 
The Emmaus disciples were walking away from Jerusalem instead of being where they needed to be. Jesus pursued them. Thomas wasn't in the room with the rest of the disciples. Jesus pursued them. Peter went off to do his own thing, his own way, went fishing. Jesus met him on the beach with a fish fried dinner all prepared. My point is, part of the lesson is, these disciples should have been pursuing him. They should have been pursuing him. So, you know, it's, it, so don't, don't, leave this, don't leave this study thinking, well, I can just go off and do my thing and Jesus will run me down. Well, he might, but he may run over you in the process. Okay. No, we're supposed to pursue him. Isn't that good? That's just good stuff. So, you know, it's your personality. It's how God made you. But that personality needs to pursue the Lord so that he can transform you. Good stuff. Good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this. It's something to have fun with. Okay. And it's something to use as a means of worship. And I hope you will use that. So let's go to him and worship him. Father, we do. We worship you. You're, the, you're the, the ultimate artist, architect, designer, builder. Uh, you're the ultimate leader for the clerics. You're the one who gets all the way down into the details that no one will ever see in the depths of the sea to satisfy the melancholies. And you're the one who laughs and enjoys life and made wine for a wedding to satisfy the sanguines. And Lord, you are the one who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow to satisfy the phlegmatics. Lord, we are made in your image. And so I thank you for each person here. I thank you for their uniqueness, their diversity. I pray and hope they will leverage their shape to service to you. And that, Lord, we'll stand before you in our diversity of not only ethnicity, but personality And we will all with one voice, as Romans said, with one voice, with one heart, give glory and worship to you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 All right. I didn't kill those trees for nothing. So take take your copies home with you. And, and, uh, you know, take some. There's extras. If you want to help, you know, if you have a spouse or or kids or, uh, you know, if you want to share with others, then... Don't hesitate to do that.